podcast. This is Unhirable with White Karen and Go To Gay Tommy. Yeah, it really is true. I don't is know that the why. Nicest thing anybody's ever said to you? I mean, I'm w- I'm succeeding at my grand delusion <laughs> that I've been trying <laughs> to pull off. You weren't like a you weren't like a, a fat guy, but you just had some heft to you. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. Why you why you came to that image? I don't know why. I might. I think maybe it's like some sense memory thing. Like I've got like a friend from childhood who sounded similar to you that was a hefty fat fuck Mexican Latino again, not <laughs> fat hefty. Like I would have shopped in the husky section when I was a boy. Yeah. Hefty, but or you would have like, if, or you would have gone like large and like worn it like a like a tight tee. Got it. Got you it. Know? Yeah. No. I. Uh, I am. I am the the. What did you call me? Sinewy white guy that sits before you. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> call me sinewy. <laughs> no. Well. Okay. Cool. So our guest today is Eric Car- Helwig. Eric Helwig, the comedian. Comedian. What's a hell wig? Is it like <laughs> like a drag queen at 4 a.m.'s hair? <laughs> it's German. You know, what it, in German it means lighted path. Oh, really? Is that where? Is that like what? Like you would like march the Jews along the hell wig on yes. the way to the <laughs> to the showers? Uh, that's true. My my grandfather was in the German army. He got drafted when he was 15 years old. What so year was that? You're hitting you're hitting a little close to home there. Uh, so what kind of Nazi are you? I'm the kind of Nazi that like, like doesn't want to admit that that's in my family. <laughs> okay, we're gonna put well, a pin in this for a minute because <laughs> it's literally all I we're gonna talk about. Really no, no, no. Because first we have to start. <laughs> we have all to right. start. Uh, so we're gonna do a little reflection on last week. Uh, with Eric Helwig, the Nazi. With yes, noted Nazi, <laughs> Hell Light Pather. You got it, Eric Helwig. Helwig. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! How many Jews? Last image was your grandfather's grinning face holding a rifle <laughs> oh in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, how many? <laughs> I mean, you can count them on two hands. Oh, so he wasn't productive. I got it. Not a, two no. hands of a thousand Jews. <laughs> 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 okay, so Eric, you listened to last week's episode with Akeem Browder and Anthony Beckford. I also discovered that Jabari Bri- Brizport. Yeah. Who's a former improv student of mine is like running <laughs> oh for shit. city council or something? Yeah. Did you discover that thanks to our show? Yes, I was listening to your show <laughs> and, s- and they mentioned Jabari Brizport and I was like, how do I know that name? And then I Googled him and it's this guy that I like, I was in my class and then he also is with my like talent agent. So like I knew him from that too. How so do you? you guys th- are I had no brothers. idea. I had no idea he was going to be president. Oh, this is great. <laughs> so wait, how did you feel about his improv skills? He was good. He's really good. He better be. He has a Yale MFA. A lot of actors suck at improv. So, like, he was – I remember thinking he was good for someone who's, like, classically trained in that stuff. Mm. Usually actors don't have a very good sense of humor. What handicapping an actor is in every aspect of your life? including being an actor. What a a nightmare (laughs) being an actor (laughs) is. It's the worst thing. (laughs) Uh, An educated actor, but educated in acting. Mm. What are you doing? What's happening? Well, you're getting institutionalized, so everybody can do (laughs) the same thing. A nice tish. Yeah. Honestly, it's just everybody doing the same thing. No shade on Jabari getting an MFA, but, like... Zero. Friend of the show, Jabari. Total friend of the show. Not a friend of mine. Lots of shade. <laughs> I think he made a huge mistake. And clearly, if he had it back, he would have made a different decision, right? I was, um, He's correcting course like we all can do. But that's what it is. Like, the best an actor can do is course correct, correct course in like your late 20s. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's your best option. What's sweeter in New York than finding an actor who's failed out of all their dreams? Mwah, <laughs> nothing. Delicious. It's not hard to find here. Get <laughs> over here on this Walk podcast. Walk into any <laughs> restaurant and ask who's buying the wine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Kate Wolf and I, friend of the show, Kate Wolf. You know Kate. How many times are you going to say friend of the show? Every single time. Whoa, okay, whoa. Are you the friend police? <laughs> <laughs> is that Are you the SS? You show up in the middle of the night demanding to see our friend hey, look, list? My goal is to be an enemy of this show by the very end. <laughs> it's working. <Literally. laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> friend for life. Um, <laughs> Kate and I were sitting in Washington Square Park getting high blatantly in the open because we're white. Signature move. <laughs> of Karen. And, um, and Kate Wolf, oh, I didn't know. Discussing. Not really. She took one. One really good uh, one hit, which I should have known to like keep tabs on this and kind of like freaked a little bit, but in like a fun way. Like she was seeing dragons. 
No, that's just normal. That she was like she got like um some anxiety, which I understand. She's very very sensitive, Kate. But um this guy comes up to us and he was like, "Hi guys. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm working on my um master's project and I'm at NYU, a student at NYU. He was like 45. He goes, I'm at a student at NYU at Tisch Hall and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, sorry, I don't have any money. And then Kate <laughs> goes, here you go. And she gives him a dollar and I didn't say anything. And he left and I was like, Kate, what do you do? I go, he's not, he doesn't go to NYU. She goes, you don't know that. I go, he said Tish Hall. <laughs> it's called just Tish. <laughs> Rookie mistake. Rookie fuck. And I was like, you know what? And then I felt bad. I hadn't like corrected him, you know, so he could like give a better spiel to other people. And she was like, no, it would be so disrespectful and hurtful. I don't know. If he got the dollar, then it's like, then you're giving him two gifts. It's like you teach a man to, you give a man a fish, he eats for <laughs> a day. You teach a man to say Tish instead of Tish Hall, <laughs> and he bums for two more years until he's dead. I'm pretty sure that's like <laughs> how most people end up in your improv class, right? <laughs> I think the best thing about uh, teaching improv is like when you get classes that aren't performer people. Because then it's like – it's legitimately fun when you see like a mother with three kids who's 45 that's like, I've been thinking about doing this for 12 years. Like that ends up being a genuine – like fun thing to be a part of yeah and she could end up being joy behar joy behar was like 38 when she started doing stand-up really she True. was a mom she had been a really? teacher she'd been a school teacher eric she might have been help. a little younger <laughs> but it was like Jake. in her 30s late 30s that joy behar really started doing it i didn't think i could like joy behar any more than i already isn't she did. amazing isn't she i a treasure? love joy behar. you know what joy Behar's good at okay so i want to talk about last week's episode i don't want us to get like too far off the rails before we come back to your nazi past <laughs> okay or present. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> future. future. Let's be real. He's Your name is still Wilhelm, <laughs> and you could choose to <laughs> change it at any moment. He you spells don't. Eric with a traitorous <laughs> CK. <laughs> weird name. Do you really? Do you, my full name is not. My full name is Frederick Carl Helwig III. I'm so sorry. What? It's my full name. Eight <laughs> Jews just died <laughs> in Midwood. <laughs> what? From the streets of New York. Enemy of the Jewish state, Frederick <laughs> Wilhelm Eric Helwig III? Pretty bad, right? <laughs> like Wait, so where did Eric come from? Is it even in your name? It's Frederick. So he took <gasps> cut off Fred, and then it's Eric, and that's why it's E-R-I-C-K. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you know you know who else does I've that? I've known you for months. The Trumps. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> what, what's their... Really? What's Frederick. Their so Donald Trump's father is Frederick. His older brother who died of alcoholism was Frederick, a.k.a. Freddie. Uh -huh. And now his son is Eric. And I'm pretty sure Eric Trump spells it the Frederick way. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well that's Trump great, Karen. You're a big Trump so fan. So have you ever looked into <laughs> Donald Trump's family? Yes. Have wow, you nuance to do just this? gets lost every time I open my mouth. <laughs> 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 Literally, you know, it's like when you whisper down the lane, everything just gets like diluted, or like when someone edgy says something and then people repeated it, like sounds racist and horrible, but they really yeah, yeah. were like like literally the second I open my mouth, and it must be my fault. Whatever reaches people's direct ears is racist, horrible, homophobic trash. Have you looked in a mirror? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in in or fairness, listen to what you're saying. In fairness <laughs> to me, I was basing that off of a conversation we had. <laughs> there was no game of telephone. <laughs> That's what everyone keeps saying. Yeah. I know we were the conversation we had. I'm sorry, I keep pulling us off of the. The thing you want to talk about. The Nazi thing? No, no I wanted to talk, <laughs> talk about a little bit. Oh, last I week. mean, I don't want to like like have an iron fist on this conversation. This is interesting. But I wanted to talk because when we were, we're in my apartment right now, and as we were walking up the 17 flights of stairs to get here. You mean your fuck palace? <laughs> <laughs> my, my wood paneled fuck palace. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you said that you listened to last week's episode and that it made you a little i don't want to put the word tense in your mouth but like yeah. you wondered what you would have said when s when somebody you you say cuz i think it's interesting to hear what white people aren't race explicit in the way that we talk about race no and like th that was i think at some point like one of you said something like you know it's weird to be in a room as a white person talking about race with two black dudes and i was like that i was just so glad when somebody said that cuz i was like, yeah, that's I was feeling the tenseness just as a listener of like, oh, God, these two wh white people better be careful. But like, I don't know, like I thought the conversation was great. I my thing with that stuff is always as soon as I find myself talking about, especially as a white person, I'll try to judge people as individuals. And I feel like 
so often the, that conversation becomes like what groups of people should do, and it's like I just think it's different from person to person. I mean, as there's just too many people. There's just too many fucking people, period. Like, there's too many white people <laughs> that live on Earth in addition to every other race, and if we just pared it down to, like, a quarter million, I think we'd all get along <laughs> a lot better. Total yeah. white Cause people? Because yeah, just everybody. Like, I feel like everybody just thinks these broad things about groups. And I heard those guys saying things sometimes about, like, at one point you were doing, like, the word – like the wor- like you say a word, what does it make you think? And <laughs> when he went white, the other guy was like racist. <laughs> like un- <laughs> like I was like, well, that's bullshit. <laughs> that's such bullshit. I like, mean, in fairness, he was directly addressing me and looking me in the eye when he said okay, that. Okay, well that makes more sense. <laughs> well, like, again, fair. One-on-one interactions with you, I get it. <laughs> but like, I just think, I don't know, man. I think we gotta like, there's gotta be a happy medium where white people can be like, look, we're sorry, we clear something terrible happened. But, like, at the same point, it's like we got to move forward and still treat people like individuals. That's how I feel. How many times in your life have you been in a room with mostly non-white people talking about race? <sighs> I don't remember talking about race. I mean, I do – I've done a couple shows. I mean, everything's, like, through the prism of comedy, I guess, in my adult life. But I've done a couple shows in Harlem where I'm, like, the only white comic on a bill and we're all just shooting the shit backstage and – yeah, I mean, race comes up. I usually just don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I've been in the room and felt fine. But it's also, like, that's in the context of comedy. We're trying to make each other laugh. Like, I don't think anybody's taking – it's not, like, fucking gotcha time, I feel, like, yeah. when you're hanging out with comics. Like, everybody's – you know, you know. Uh, but the context of comedy is also different. Like, I, everybody that I know that I know has herpes is a comic. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, that's yeah. who's honest about shit. Like – People are so uncomfortable talking about certain shit and race, I think, being number one, even more than like like a genital disease that it's just like really hard to like it's hard to even have the conversation without people's hackles being raised. You know what I mean? And you need a pretext like this is comedy. This is a podcast like we're supposed to say shit. You know what I mean? Because otherwise it's like unacceptable to talk about it. I feel let me give you an example of a racist thought that I had (laughs) semi recently. Okay. Okay. so. I was dating this girl, and I found out that while this girl was seeing me, she was seeing a black guy. I didn't know who it was, and I couldn't watch the NBA for, like, a month. Like, that's, like, that was... triggered. Yeah, because I would, like, every time a guy would dunk, I'd be like, that's the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but tell me this. It had nothing to do with... It was literally, like, my own stupid life and, like, my, like, insecurity, and then I had this weird reaction to watching a sport that I watch all the time. Yo, but literally, that is exactly what friend of the show, Sarah Shulman, this writer, (laughs) writes about in her book, Conflict is Not Abuse. How you take, I mean, it's not, this isn't, the examples she uses are different, but you're taking it from like a really small level. This is an interpersonal thing between you and a girlfriend and projecting it onto a group. And so that can inform the way that you're able to detach or dehumanize the stories that you hear about violence within these communities because you're able to see them very easily. I am too. I'm not saying this is just you, but I've been thinking a lot about this. The ways in which I can do the exact same thing or think two actresses look the same because they're black, which I just did. Uh, They also genuinely look alike. Like they look, they look alike. Okay. You told me that I saw the movie girls trip. I thought Sanaa Lathan was Regina Hall. Okay. Or I thought Regina Hall was Regina Hall's in the movie, and I thought she was Sanaa Lathan. Uh, I don't know either of yeah, these. Yeah, I didn't t- either. So but then he showed me both, and honestly, they look very much alike. And then they have similar features. Okay, so a black woman yesterday Regardless told me race. that they look nothing alike. Really? Yeah, of but course. Looking alike has look, nothing to do with race. Al- I'm sure we look alike. Well, we do. That's true. Yeah, like this is insane. Looking alike has nothing to do with race. Haven't you ever seen somebody's exact twin of another race? Like it's not look. Looking alike has zero to do with your actual color of your skin. Nothing, and it's so crazy. And I don't think that all white people look the same. Yeah, but no, no, no. But people people of different races saying that other people of different races look the same does have something to do with race. Well, I think there's studies that show that. Like, it's not exclusive to white people. And I'm not saying it's mm. the worst thing, and I'm not saying what you, you're doing is yeah. the worst thing. I think the way that, like, we we don't engage for whatever reason. Um, what do you mean we don't engage? 
you can't engage the NBA because it's triggering for you oh, to oh, see oh, black see men because your girlfriend was with a black man. And I sort of, like, am afraid to make a mistake. So, like, about right. identifying somebody the wrong way or whatever. So I, like, sort of, I think that somehow that fear of fucking up yeah, um, or that fear of being upset or whatever prevents you from actually engaging it. And so then you end up, like, it's going to get messy. Wha- what I'm well, saying okay, is look. a really convoluted <laughs> point. But what I'm really trying to say is that we can all, like, trace, I think, very personal examples, personal reasons for not engaging people of other races. Well, okay, I have two points. Number one is that there's racist shit that people think and say, and then there's racial shit that people think and say, and those two overlap in a big almond of the Venn diagram. But but there are things that are just racial, meaning they touch on race in some way and not racist. And I think that people are so buzzwordy and so triggered happy that when anything racial comes up, for example, you mistaking one actress for another actress who... Feature-wise, I thought they looked similar as human beings and not nothing to do with being black women. Do you know what I mean? So, so do I. Ra- I still think that they look but alike. But yeah. me too. <laughs> but people who say that's racist are putting a thing on a thing that's racial. And it's like people's not just un- – it's like – it's not that they can't. It's that they won't separate them. Like they're happy to not do it. I always say like when I see people making that mistake of like hearing a buzzword and saying, you know, like, oh, you're sexist or you're racist or whatever – I always say that, like, I can understand why people would feel that way because for a long time, actual racist and actual sexist shit was just the way things were. And, like, if you get raised by, like, a parent or a grandparent who experienced that stuff firsthand, that it's e- it's easy to, like, everybody looks at life through the prism of their own experience. And I think of, like, the shit that my dad said to me when I was a kid, even if I don't agree with it, I still have to like wrestle with it as an adult. Sometimes, not mean? even consciously, you know. Yeah, but I, my dad once told me that uh, being happy was not important. All right, my parents also told me that. Yeah, <laughs> and like I didn't really think about that until I was twenty-nine years old. But I'd been living that from the age of three until tw- that didn't make me think it any less or. Okay. Act on it any less, but I'm just I just wasn't aware of it. Yeah, exact same, literal exact same. Isn't that a weird it thing to say? It is just mind blowing. I just was like, oh yeah, okay, of course. It's the only thing. There's one thing, and it's happiness. Unless you're a pedophile, in which case you got to take one for the team, be a little less happy. <laughs> yeah, I actually am gonna say that that like emphasis kind of freaks me out a little among our generation. On pedophiles. I'm yeah, totally. There's just so <laughs> when many. When will we let what? these pedophiles <laughs> be happy? Stop them persecuting <laughs> them. <laughs> I will never be president. Um, I might be. Yeah, um, um, we keep running our futures into the ground with this podcast. <laughs> 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 Every week a new 9-11. Oh, my oh, God. I saw a comic make a 9-11 joke huh? the other night. Well, wait, what? What? Say it again. I saw a Jewish comic, actually. Okay, who? Make a, I forget his name, okay. make a 9-11 joke the other night. Was it funny? No, I mean, no. Did it get really. laughs? No, I'm not anti 9 11 jokes at all. Oh, it made to you personally or in no, front no, of an no, audience? No, 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 no. Like in, a, in front of an audience. And did it people did not laugh? Go oh, no. it didn't. Okay. No, no, no. Not, oh, not well in New York. Still, <laughs> maybe too soon. I don't know. No, I think you can make a funny. Mike Christine has a really good 9 11 joke. He Does told he? it at my show the other night. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's the guy that pretended to be there? Oh, the guy on the league. Yeah, Steve. That was Ramazzotti tough. I listened to him on. St- I listened to him on Stern. I had some sympathy for him. He yeah, seemed, of course. He seemed genuinely fucked up about it. People are also over it. Of course. Why Maybe wouldn't you be? Well, I'm comparing them, for example, to Kurt, like who still gets shit for all his shit or whatever. Not that he made up 9/11, but I always thought that was so interesting. How how Steve is just back. Is he back back? He's back back. But he's everyone, getting worse. I saw, I saw he ate some shit from like a couple roast battles and stuff. And people uh, were like, hey, f- you're back. But he like, he had to like eat it at the roast battle. He had to eat it. Like he but did you see the one at, oh, with him and Sam Morrill? Because Sam Morrill ate it a little bit too. I didn't see that one. And I think Sam's a very funny comedian. I've Can you recover from saying racist shit? Yes. 
Can you? Of Kramer course. Never came back. <laughs> Kramer never was there though. He was pretending to be That's a stand-up. That's not true. He's there. He was Very there as an actor, and he's never come back as that. But I mean, in he was an never in the a industry. comic. He was never a comic. He was never a like comic. Right then, so That's it's not like what he had I mean, though. Come ba- oh, I, I see. mean, come back and be employable and be in an industry and have people just generally like be willing to see you in productions and like out. Yeah, he never came back. He, and never, he never came will. back from that. I love the Chappelle bit about Kramer though. What? Where Chappelle watches it and he's like. Like I knew watching that Kramer thing that I'm 90% comedian and 10% black man because <laughs> the black in me, the black guy in me, is like Kramer, you motherfucker. But the comedian's like, this guy's having a bad set. <laughs> Come on, Kramer, <laughs> don't let him get you, Kramer. <laughs> like, the comedian still gets losing your mind on hecklers, <laughs> even if it's the worst. I think every comic was like, ah, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Everybody gets it. Not I think the there's something about people racist. just genuinely losing their minds but publicly. Yeah. That you have to be kind of a complete monster to just No, I guess that that's not true. But to see people like lose their minds in that way is like it just triggers Because everybody knows in their heart it could be any of us. Like I'm not saying it could be any of us famous enough, but it could be any of us losing our shit to that degree publicly. We're just that triggered by something. You know what I mean? Like if you're doing your job right as an entertainer, in you should be a little bit losing your mind when you're working. We're vulnerable to it. Like yeah. the reason he got got is because he was like putting his heart into a set, and I think that's he what gets really you. cared about it going well. He cared about it going well, <laughs> and that's why he. D- you don't lose your shit unless yeah. someone really fucking got you. Like they got him. They that's hurt where him. That's where Kramer went wrong. And he lashed out. Yeah, and it's like it's so crazy. It's like uh it's like, you know, like texting while driving or whatever, like two seconds can change your whole life. <laughs> yeah. Does that logic apply to Bill O'Reilly? Remember that video of him losing his shit when he was like inside edition? But that video <laughs> is <laughs> hilarious. It's amazing. And also his base loves that shit. That's like if Trump lost his shit, pe- his base would be like, Yes, we love him. He's a man who loses his shit. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> the only thing that could hurt guys like that is that if liberals stopped freaking out every five seconds about what they're doing That's right. what like like all like like the whole thing about it's trump saturated. is that like the more the more angry and pissed off people get about him the more his 38 to 42 percent of america love him right. that's why they love him most people most people don't even think he's gonna bring back the jobs the jobs that didn't really exist in any type mm-hmm. of legit comparison to like new technology jobs. Mm-hmm. It's because he's president because fuck you. Like mm-hmm. that's why. People wanted to say fuck you to like having to watch Blackish on ABC. <laughs> like that Blackish. Yo, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I knew Tommy was gonna <laughs> what? seize on shade and throw it back. I mean Tracy Ellis Ross is a really good actress. I have no problem with Blackish. Yeah, she's a legend. Girlfriend. Future friend of the show. Tracy Future, Ellis yes. Ross. Welcome <laughs> literally anytime. Look, I love Blackish. I watched the show. I'm not <laughs> saying It's a good that. show. I'm saying that that stuff for middle America was like that felt like an encroachment on them. Like we all assume. And also yeah, they're like the 40 years behind us. And the left is so easy to trigger that it's it's like if you know somebody's really ticklish and you're like, I know you hate this, but I can't help it. Like the rise is so worth it. Mm-hmm. The left hasn't learned how to laugh yet. You know what it is? It's the, the left never no, used ticklish, but the left also doesn't laugh anything off. The left, no. the left says, I'm triggered, I'm triggered. Like laugh some of it off and then get mad at the real shit. Yeah, exactly. Get mad at the fact like that make fun of them and stuff. Are we talking about Democrats or are we talking about true left here? Like, what are we talking about? Black no, left, white guys, left? Guys, what are labels? What are labels really? Well, it does matter <laughs> only because like if you're talking about Democrats, like it's silly, especially. I don't know. I'm like kind of overthinking about Trump. I guess when I talk about I just don't want to think about this guy anymore because yeah. really I do think. Carl Ruiz, TV's Carl Ruiz, <laughs> was Friend on of Race the show, Wars. TV's Carl Ruiz. Totally. <laughs> I can't wait to go eat something with this guy because he's the most interesting part. You know, he's like a Food Network chef, the Sabor chef. And on he Instagram. has Maria's Italian Maria's? specialties, Marie's. In Chatham, New Jersey. Yeah, in Chatham, New Jersey. And it's like a place that's so rich that like nobody cares about the presidency, but they all show up for like the school board. Like, all that sort of shit. They're up for yeah. all the local stuff. And he said that's what really rich people understand is power, is what's happening right in front of your face. Not, like, nobody cares really about healthcare because it's just right now a volleyball game. 
yeah. and it's not the finals yet, well, the and everyone knows that, that. The reason that it's going to be okay, and everybody's freaked the fuck out, and I get it, but I think the reason it's going to be okay is because national politics is accountable to local politics. So, like, when you're yeah. watching them yell about, well, we need these votes for healthcare, like, look how little the federal White House push is doing to get the results that they want, and it's all Republicans in all of Washington, D.C. That's because they're accountable to us back here, and that's bec- and that's with, like, governors and, like, local councils and whatever. Like, that's all that shit. That, like, that's such a good argument that he made. It, like, is always true. No, totally. But so I think that that means not just actually like engaging the politics that are happening around you, the capital P politics, but like Karen and I went out this weekend and petitioned in East Flatbush for Anthony Beckford, who's running for city councilor. And the Green Party candidates are all so messy. And I just mean like there's no infrastructure for these people. They just are like out there figuring it out <laughs> as they go. It's so interesting. And so were we trying to petition. But I don't know how many white people that aren't activists because we're not really activists. That's no, like, we just do a podcast. Yeah. But like w- have ever walked around a black neighborhood and listened to like an old black, li- black lady say she's a Jew, but she's pretty. <laughs> she's Jew, but she's pretty or something. She's beautiful. She's, she's beautiful. a Jew, but she's very beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh. You I know, mean, like I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when the light hits her face just right, you know, <laughs> minimizes the more grotesque features. She contours. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it just comes down to I keep seeing, like, all these faggots on vacation this summer. I think this is why <laughs> it's in my head. And just, like, seas of other white faggots. And it's all my liberal friends. Like, when we friends. watch The Normal Heart. It's all my Democrat <laughs> friends. It? It's all yeah. my Hillary friends. <laughs> They just hang out in seas of white people with the occasional sprinkling sprinkling of like an ethnic. I think a lot of like that what you're talking about is like people like like diversity in like how the group looks a little bit and that's important, but there's not a lot of diversity in thought amongst mm-hmm. very liberal people. It's like there's not you real say racial diversity either. It's like the uh, like maybe a it's lot both. of the black people who hang out in that I know uh, around mostly white people are like not are like not really black they're not that black it's like race isn't race is color to a point yeah it's like very very really color but i also hear like <laughs> it's the same way like you sort of look at the white kid that hangs out with all black kids as like kind of not really white mm-hmm. and this is a from a white perspective i'm not saying this is the way that it is but I grew like up in philly that's so how white people look at it there was a lot of racial crossover yeah there were like there were there was tons of that. My high school was like the number one high school for like racial crossover. The white That's not Asian scientific, kid. But it was yeah. like yeah, it was like the white kids and it was like the black kids were so cool, of course, always. And it was like white people could only hope, so they would do this like pale, literally pale imitation <laughs> mm-hmm. of what black people were doing and hang out and like I guess everyone's genuine friends. I don't know, but you also had the opposite. You had like black kids who had crossed over into white and had like baggage about it. Like it was really interesting. This one kid was so. Daryl, I remember I I'd gone to school with him since like kindergarten, all up till high school. He was so smart. He was like in all these smart classes all the time, like math and science. And he had some kind of like crisis about it in high school, and intentionally failed all of his classes. He felt like some kind of guilt about excelling or something. It was like this crisis with the teacher. Acting white, right? <laughs> that's the, that's what they say. What? It's like it's like it's like you feel guilty about acting white. It's in the wire. Is it? I yeah, never season the four. Wire. Is that your? Is that your? That's your touchstone. I watched it twice. <laughs> Anything that the wire told me, I'm like. It's I the Black Bible. Yeah. Oh, it's like how it's like uh, your Dune. I had a. Uh, I had a, it's Dune the wire for white people. It's wire for me. Okay. I'm a Dunist. The uh, when I was I was in a new school every year until eighth grade. Military. Military. So there Which was branch? one. Army. Oh, cool. Why are your they dads. called military brats? Do they suck? Do I suck? <laughs> I'm a military I'm brat. You, I don't know. No, I think they're great. I mean, a lot of. Uh, What's the word from? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know what it comes from, mm. but it's um, the what I was gonna say was my in second grade we moved to Deritter, Louisiana, and I guess my parents had this weird thing with me. I'm the oldest of uh, of four kids, and so they would always put me in. They want to put me in private school. They didn't do this to any of my other siblings. Just me. But we'd always move too late for me to get into a private school the first year. So I'd go to a public school, then a private school, and then we'd move because it's every two years. 
So I did that four years, four places in a row. Holy shit. So in second grade, they put me in this school where I was probably like one of two or three white kids. And it was this really poor school. And they literally, like, we didn't even have, uh, the school was just like, like walkways to trailers. And the teacher would, like, we'd share a book with two or three other kids. The teacher would be like, read these pages and just leave the trailer. And we'd be in there, like, 20 kids just by ourselves for, like, two hours. And we didn't get anything. It was the best year of school I ever had. <laughs> it was so much fucking fun. But then in third grade, I was in, like, the remedial class. They thought <laughs> I had, like, learning problems. I couldn't <laughs> write. Like, I have huge gaps in my knowledge from, like, a couple public schools that I went to <laughs> that were like that. Because of black people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember. It's, it's, fu it's, it's funny because, like, you asked, like, ever, I, we didn't talk politics in second grade, but, like, I don't even, like, think of that as the operative thing of, like, oh, yeah, I was the only white kid in that school. I just remember, oh, that was a fun year. I remember playing a lot of tag during class. I remember having a lot of friends and not having to do a lot of work. It's so interesting. But it was, like, it was a shitty school looking back on it as an adult. The times that I was surrounded by, like, black kids when I was growing up were such, like, what black people became for me. Like, I remember I had a black teacher who is like who would yell a lot she was a black woman yeah. so i always remember black women screaming because of this teacher who i loved also because my mother was a screamer and much more <laughs> of a screamer but there was something about a black woman yelling that became like this image i had of black women so every time that i see a black woman i still think back to that like formational view of them so it confirms what i already knew in some way and so I like th that's not just like a critique. I mean that in like I always like have viewed black women as fighters, as um, very vocal, as advocates because of that. But also like the negative side of that too, because I remember being everything in my life. I just realized was so oppositional to black people, probably because my family came from Boston and my mom came from Southie, but wasn't overtly racist, but like about black people. She never said anything about black people. She maybe said things about other races, but literally never said anything the about Jews. No, never about oh. Jews. No, Jews were in my family. Mm. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just saying cuz you looked right at me when you said that. No, 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 but <laughs> I mean you know, Asians didn't get the best treatment in really? my in my house. How yeah. visible are they in Boston Pretty to get visible. singled out? Really? Yeah, they're sneaky. You know, yeah. <laughs> they always live Shit in like the that. You know, they're, they're just like a little sneaky. They always live so in the like the high parts of town where you can always see them. They're very visible. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> <Yeah>, no. <laughs> Asians love living at the top of hills. Is that true? No. At <laughs> all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's true. Um. <laughs> I know it rang true to me. But too. it's like th I think that just that's like everybody. That's what you're saying is everybody. Like if I had a, if like I had a black teacher as a kid that like loved dune i'd be walking around as a 31 year old being like man you know one thing black women really love is is <laughs> dune i don't know if you've totally. noticed that but that's something i know about the black community <laughs> is their love of dune but it's not that <laughs> gentle because like i was like probably five or six and we went to this hotel on international drive in orlando outside of disney property when we were staying there and I looked over the balcony and saw the pool and I screamed to my mother. I don't really remember this, but it's a story that's been told so many <laughs> times. Oh, we can't stay here. The pool's for blacks only. <laughs> and Are you sure the adults in your life didn't just make that up because it's hilarious to tell you that you said that funny. forever? <laughs> I mean, it would, I wouldn't put it past them, actually. <laughs> 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 tell me to keep family like, business to myself through a parable. Wouldn't you do that immediately to a child? Yo, let's just tell him forever. He screamed, this pool's for blacks <laughs> only, and then we had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are we going to dovetail this back into my Nazi heritage? <laughs> That's my real question. Oh, if so when do like we I feel like we've really wandered away. I've had it. I, it's never left my mind. Good, good. <laughs> I met a German at the in line to go into the Oscar Schindler Museum in Krakow last summer. Okay. And it was so interesting talking to him about Germans. Because he said something that contradicts what a lot of the narrative I've understood, and I've only ever spent one night in Germany in my life. Maybe you can. Is that the name of the porn you did? <laughs> <laughs> one night in Germany. <laughs> in Das Rhein. <laughs> or Der Rhein, I don't know. Whatever. Point is, he said that people are 
on the one hand, they really emphasize this can never happen again in the schools, but it's like happening again, it's just with Muslims. Mm -hmm. And he said that the sentiment in Germany is really strongly anti-Muslim, and people aren't talking a lot about it. But Europe also has a crazier immigration problem than we've ever had. Like, in the culture clash between the immigrants that they're getting in, like, hundreds of thousands, and their culture is way stronger than it ever has been between like lovable Mexicans and here. Like we don't have the kind of culture class that they have. America on that scale. America gets to feel that way about the rest of the world. And I guess I, I, I don't live what in do Germany. I don't, I don't know what their overall vibe is. Do you have there, a connection to Germany? Well, my grandfather's from there. So I'm a quarter German. I have, I'm the third. So I take his name. So I sound like I'm more German than I am. But I was also born in Germany because my dad was stationed there when I was a kid, so I was there till I was four. Well, you so and Audra McDonald both. Huh? Audra McDonald was also born because okay. her father, anyway. Friend of the show. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I yeah, you what, what I was going to say was, like, I think America does it the best job, if anywhere in the world, of people assimilating here. We have two oceans, fucking America, like, Burgers, mm, Statue of Liberty, and we're rooting for music. people to do it. Like we're like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Like you can get in on this, or your kids are totally gonna be from here. Like we want people to get into it. And like when we were in Sweden, me and Eric worked together, so we flew out to Sweden. Like our company flew us out, and um, I talked to this lady at like one of the like company things that we were doing, at, like a lunch, and she was an Israeli woman who had married a Swede, and she said like it was weird there because. If you're an immigrant, they never let you quite forget it. It's like being a convert or something. Like, and she said they have famous, like, prominent people there, like some soccer player who's brown but was born and raised there. He's just fully Swedish and not from anywhere else. And they are, like, constantly, consistently racist towards him and, like, telling him to leave or whatever. It's Yeah. It's, they're not, it's like they're not even rooting for people to make it as Swedes is what it sounded like. Anytime you go to a, like, a... Uh, football game in Europe and they start chanting the n-word at the other <laughs> oh team no. it just reminds you that like there's two things that are true about is America. that a joke no they do they do it there like the, like the <laughs> so way that crazy. the way that we're repressed about how how have I never <laughs> heard did you know they did this no, I didn't. No, no I didn't know the extent because of it like that I think the reason is because American liberals are so into like whipping themselves for not being good enough that we don't take any time to be like W- there are some things that we've done in this country that are like the like the best in the world. Yeah. Like there's two things that are true about America. This is the best country in the world and this place fucking sucks. Like those <laughs> things are both true. Yeah. Like there's a million things to pick <laughs> apart that are truly horrifically bad yeah. about what we've done and things that we still do. But like black people don't feel that way. Of course not. Which is what's interesting. And it's understandable. Yeah. We're, we're slaves. No, we weren't. We were the two groups we were worst to were Native Americans and black people. And yeah. So how yeah. do we get everybody on? Because I'm on board with you, but I'm a white guy. So like, how do we get everybody on board to that? To By that? having real somebody, restitution. Somebody has to. Don't if we had real honest to God restitution, like how Patrice O'Neill used to talk about, about like black people just don't have to pay taxes and like put that wealth back into the black community for over generations. Let them build up their middle class and be wealthy and like do you know what I mean? Like let them catch up because they were defrauded and disenfranchised for generations yeah. and brought here against their will. Literally that not asked. But what if there were genuine I, I mean restitution, reparations, what if they're honest to God reparations that people agreed on and were fair? And then maybe we could like it's I like I also didn't realize until talking to like black activist people on our show, like how extremely different the world is for black and brown people. Like I I, I guess I just like I don't I didn't know I haven't like lived that life. Do you know what I mean? But it's like the every like everything that you hear politicians say like sounds different i think if you're hearing it through a whole his totally different historical relationship with this country i think it's like any thing where somebody if you d- if you break it down to like whatever the micro level of like a person person on person uh crime let's say like i as a person uh enslaved you the only way for you Promise. to the only way for <laughs> you to forgive me mm-hmm. is uh 
to spank uh, you. Never. Just no. <laughs> uh, the, the answer. To the, the answer is never. <laughs> Why is everyone taking their shirt off? But forgiveness <laughs> yeah. is not necessarily the er, point here. You don't have to forgive. You have to make it right. So I don't know if there's ever a way to make right the past. But there's we're also just not like trying, really. We're not trying. Because if we were trying, we would do something like that. Be like, okay, here's how we're going to fix this over generation. Not fix it, but we're going to give back to you in some measurable way. But we're, we don't do it because we don't, as a nation, don't care about truly getting past it. We're like, yeah, let them be mad. Like, And I also think I we just don't. Know how to do it. Like it was from the design. I don't think we don't know how to country. do it. I think I there's I don't a lot of smart people who've devoted a lot of time to thinking about it, and there's some pretty good options that we don't avail ourselves of. But we need to stop fighting. That's the whole issue. It was literally ingrained. As soon as the white landowners saw that the white indentured servants and the black slaves did not view a difference between one another, they imposed laws that forced that difference. The white people could live in better conditions. That's just the way that it went from the start. So that was forced on us. We could go back to a mentality where, like, it's a little more Eastern, what's good for the group, and it's maybe a little more, like, Marxian, but, like, what's good for the group is good for everybody. Your liberation is my liberation. Like, all that bullshit is kind of true. Like, it's not so just, like, woo-woo. It's actually, like, really true. Like, if everybody's free, then everybody's free but also in the power structure of politics in the country in the world the little people are the little people and that's us and it's not the the divide breaks down the farther up you go looking down do you know what i mean like it matters a lot one-on-one -on -one and it matters on certain levels but when you see the like powerful people in this country who make shit work and that's maybe politicians or heads of corporations or whatever we're the same to them the difference you know what i mean like that and our and our like strength is our collective voice so all the infighting we're accomplishing other people's goals well the more power you have the more capacity you have to view humans as units like huge 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 exponential multiples like you see everybody moving in these well, giant blocks like water and gold and totally. electricity yeah so it'd be it, it necess you necessarily have to dehumanize individuals in order to be able to right. function it the executive level of government. That's what hey, even like people with good intentions, you talk to like military generals, mm -hmm. they're like, every time they make a decision on the battlefield, they're like, all right, there's 2,000 boys with mothers and wives, and then you're just like, they go over there, and they might die, but then we'll go over here with these other 2,000 guys. Mm -hmm. It's like, again, too many people. It's just too many people. But that's why it's ironic that we well, spend as a so straight much person, time are you not humanizing reproduce? each other. What? That's why it's ironic that we spend so much time refusing to humanize each other when there's everybody else just does it for us. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly 100% I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I also think that, like, it's very difficult to humanize everybody. You can't humanize everybody because right. you have to have time to develop your own humanity. Well, it's hard to humanize even, like, more than one person. Like, if you hear about a tragedy, like, I, like, I remember, like, hearing about a single 9-11 story is or reading like a single text message or hearing a voicemail is horrific like it's horrible to consider the suffering of one person but then they're like thousands of people died and you're like wow that's crazy and that sucks but i can't I, it's literally unimaginable like well i don't feel it like they that. do they do studies on that where it's like you you show so you tell a story to somebody about one kid in a country getting abused by her village and murdered when she's 7 and you're like oh my god the horror of that and then uh, a tsunami comes and wipes out five million people in a country that you've never been to. And you're like, man, we that's, Facebook friends. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, little post on Facebook, maybe yeah. a different shade of your Facebook color if you're really mm -hmm. feeling in a generous mood. And it doesn't affect your day at all, and it's millions of people. You know what? Um, I did uh, the um, Hatem's podcast, friend of the show, Hatem Gab. Gab? Uh, Gabar. Whatever. Gabar. I don't know. Gabber. Gabber. It's pronounced Gabar. Yeah. <laughs> really here, I'll do it the Arabic Gabar. Gabar. Um, <laughs> I'm bilingual. Um, he, I did his podcast at the cellar, and the guy he had on, this guy, Joby Warwick, he's like a Pulitzer Prize winning um, journalist who like specializes in ISIS, and he... Oh my God, it's the longest setup ever. It's like not even worth the point. He said <laughs> that uh, <laughs> the reason ISIS is so brutal, like one of the reasons is that they understand that there's nothing worse than f watching a single person die. Like one person to watch them horribly die. 
is the fucking worst. Yeah. Much more so than like blowing up a thing and dozens of people dying, not meaning the life value or whatever. I think that it's the same, but like, but um, the yeah. emotional impact. Yeah, well, it's 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 our. Did that take me ten years to no, say? No, it's holy shit. It's like it's literally like a fucking thing in our brains that doesn't. It's synapses that don't connect for the entire like species that must is be that you can an watch evolution one thing because if we could comprehend that level of suffering how could we possibly function yeah of course That's life is life is so shitty <laughs> we live in the best version of it right now every yes. year every year gets like like by a factor of 10 better than it was 50 years ago Yep. And we are all still miserable because it's a hard We are the luckiest thing. people who ever lived, like, statistically. We are the luckiest people who ever lived. We have the best access to everything. Us, personally, sitting in this room are the luckiest people who ever lived. That is, like, my struggle with, like, causes and activism. And because I, I, when I was in college, I was like, you know, just to say fuck you to my dad, I was like, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> put like a make trade fair sticker on the back of my car <laughs> so he would look at it when he had to go to work every morning. But like, I'm like, I'm so down for like, if somebody explains to me a cause, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. As soon as I start meeting activists, I'm like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, I can't stand the lack of perspective that people have. Like, even when something's wrong, it's like, it's just not even close to what it used to be. Well, but we also ironically need certain people to give way more of a shit than other people about certain shit, so that shit gets done. Of course, they but have like to carry the burden of caring, and they're just so annoying. But no, it, that's the thing. It's like I, th- I, 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 I acknowledge that, and every time I have this conversation with my girlfriend, which is four times a week. She's like, <laughs> what's the solution? I'm like, there is no solution. <laughs> you need people to be activists. Like, yeah, it's an important yeah. part of how society gets better. It's just very, very It's just annoying. tiresome, and it's yeah. like there's never a cheer where they're like, you, you never know. win it. It's yeah. never done. Look for the ones who, this is what I think, have life or death stakes. Because those are the ones who are, I think, invested the most fully and the easiest to understand. And right now, I think that's Black Lives Matter. In the 80s, I think it was clearly AIDS. Um, It's been the struggle for black liberation since forever, I guess, in this country. Immigrant rights. The people who have, like, life and death stakes. When you start to see, again, groups of white people gathering together to be activists, to be socialists, to be democratic socialists, um, I don't know. It becomes something altogether different because the stakes aren't life or death for most of the white activists that i know uh it what becomes do you mean, like they're hobbyists yeah i would say activism hobbyists for whatever reason because they're rebelling against their parents or is that bad though does that make them no no the effect the impact could be the exact same as if somebody has life or death stakes but i mean in terms of being able to actually tolerate people i have a much harder time the hobbyists, I guess, as you would call them. The people for whom, yeah, I guess like large groups of white people being activists together. But people would define or life or death stakes differently. Like women activists, like feminist activists would say like, you know, fighting for like women's access to safe abortion is a life or death stake. Like we could die from it. Yeah. Like an Israeli point. would tell you that's a life or death stake. Like that's. They're liter- it's literally like, why I like the causes again the causes are almost all things that I would support it's the people who decide to do it that I've met I u- are usually people I don't get along with and the same w- it, here's what I would compare it to I th- we need cops <laughs> we need cops how many I have a good friend from college that became a cop and he's still a good friend and I've met all of his friends, and I hate all of his friends. They're all cops. Well, all of his cop friends. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like his cop friends. I like him, and when he's hanging out with all of us, I'm like, oh, it, it, it's my friend. And when he starts, ha- when I'm with him and his cop friends, I'm like, it's I'm feeling the cop coming. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean like I don't think we should not have cops, but I think I can be honest and say like in general, sometimes the people who choose to be in charge of other people can be dicks. Well, aren't isn't there just they really a flip dick. side of a coin there almost between like 
the radical activists and cops because they're the ones interacting the most. It's kind of just I one hundred. Pr- I think it's like there's it's how I the religious I Israelis and the crazy Palestinians are the ones clashing, and everybody else is like, "Let us have a house." You know what it yeah. is? I think people can have completely different views on the world and what they want, but have the same types of personalities, mm-hmm. and I see that all the time. One of the things I learned from The Wire, if anybody's seen The Wire, it's a show. Black Bible. As Black we call Bible. it on the show. Uh, no, the <laughs> one of the my favorite uh, things about the one of my favorite things about The Wire is when you watch it. There's like there's drug dealers and there's cops, and you're like, oh, if you're operating from a place of like dealing drugs is wrong and if you do it you're immoral then all the drug dealers are bad and all the cops are good but if you operate from a place of like in the situation you're in there's ethical ways to do what you do there's good drug dealers and bad drug dealers and there's good cops and bad cops there's honest like me and Tommy there's honest there's honest like thugs and shitty thugs and there's like cops who want to do the right thing and cops that are fucking lazy and don't give a fuck about anybody and like I think that's truer to our uh, something I probably did not think when I was younger, which is like your politics are a reflection of your values and who you are. And the now personal I'm personal li- is political. People like to say. And now I think like as I get older, I'm like you are who you are, and I think your politics are usually just what you think mm. about things. A hundred. I take it so much less as like an indictment mm. of. Like, oh, my God, can you believe that person's a, Repu- a fucking Republican? It's like, yeah, I can believe it. Half the fucking country is that, just not mm-hmm. where we live. But you po- know? Po- people's politics is also, like, I feel a reaction to powerlessness almost 100. Like, what is a vote? The vote is literally the federal government saying, there's one of us and millions of you, so have your little thing and tell us what you want. Mm, and if enough Carlin. millions of you happen to agree, we'll do it, kind of. We might not do anything to help you, but it'll be – it's like yeah. you're looking up and you see the bottom of two boots, and they're like, well, pick a boot. But it's still <laughs> a fucking boot on your fucking it's head. the illusion of choice. It is an actual choice, but it's a George choice Carlin. for garbage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like – and also, I just – the older I get, also, the less crazy, like, conspiracy shit sounds like – like. Certain conspiracies are crazy, like saying Sandy Hook never happened or whatever, but the Mm. idea of a conspiracy is like the rule and not the exception. Everything, people literally get together and conspire. Like the heads of businesses conspire. America is a conspiracy. Politicians conspire. America is a conspiracy theory. Right. We conspired against Mm -hmm. the British so that we could have a country. We also conspired against black people. Yeah. Literally, it's all by design. Everything in this country, like nothing's Agreed. by accident. It by explicit design also. Totally. When I say conspiracy, I mean people conspired. And a conspiracy, I think it's kind of conspiracy is kind of like racist. We need to destigmatize the word a little bit. Is it? It's never occurred to me that conspiracy might be a racist word. No, no, no. No, 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 no. that it's like racist in oh, that oh. <laughs> people hear cons- <laughs> people hear conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy and they're like, "Oh, tin hat, blah blah blah," but it's like Right. No. I, I mean in the literal sense of no. people conspiring that you don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. I, that happens constantly. That's how the world works. Yeah, we were conspiring before we turned on the mics. We're conspiring now. We're smoking weed and we just brought it up right the second. Well, you're not. You're <laughs> I'm not responsible. smoking weed because I want to be president one day. <laughs> like Never Jabari Prisport. I'm going <laughs> to run with him. Uh, friend of the show, by friend the way. Friend of the show. Close Jabari friend of the show. <laughs> we, love, we love the Green Party candidates because they're all so messy. He's the least messy probably because – he had Ivy training. Yeah. Clean, clean cut dude. Yeah, no, he's totally very yeah. electable. I would say very the electable. Most electable, I think, of all of them. People running. could, pe- I, I could see him like, like he's got like, uh, he's got like a a sleekness to him mm-hmm. that's like he could craft that into like a political. He looks career. like a clean cut politician. He does. Doesn't he? That could and be like uh, a charming liability. What looking clean cut? Just being like if you look at too the polished. Of, but but in the Green Party, which is not known for its polish, that all. stands out. Yeah, Americans don't want polished politicians. You want somebody That's that I mean. grabs women's pussies right, right, right. and walks into women's pol- dressing really rooms. Polished you Green want Party real person shit. is a messy regular party candidate. Do you know what I mean? Like, do we need the Green Party needs its most polished gem to be the mess of mainstream politics? Yes, that's true. I 100 percent agree with that. Totally. It's how messy should that person be? It should be not messy at all for the Green Party because we know the scale on which Green operates. 
which is f- all the way from ex- incredibly messy all middle the way of down the night, to I'm very drunk messy. Post. <laughs> Literal middle of the night, I'm drunk post, like, <laughs> accidentally on purpose chugging a weed cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> you that was our fault because we threw Green Party for the Green Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys are big Green Party people. No. no. See, that is not what we want to promote. We <laughs> just were <laughs> – You just talked about the Green Party for, like – We are interested in, like, kind of, like, local politics, how, like, weird and personal local politics is. It should be the black and party. It's all black and people Green party and is one messy and well, it's like, yeah, totally. But it's also yeah. like, it's, it is it is like all black and brown people pretty much. And it's the super messy, but also the Green Party is like, has a great message of like, don't like not trashing the earth. Like it has the Love most, that. has the most unimpeachable message out of all the parties. And we do in this country. It's like the time is right for a viable third party. Like people are like, is this it? And when I talk about conspiracies, in politics, like, Democrats and Republicans <laughs> are, like, the same, not only the same people, but, like, consp- I believe conspire with each other to keep each the other party alive. Like, the one has no meaning without the other. They need each other. They need something to push mm. back on. Like, it's, we're Coke not and Pepsi. Coke and Pepsi, dude. It's, like, the illusion of choice, like you were saying. It's literally, they are the exact same people. Mm. We need another group of people to eventually morph into also those people but we need it fresh now yes but it also necessarily means and this is where it's tricky for all of us is white people white people handing power over like giving up power that's hard it, it feels for for us to equality feels like oppression if you're the power if you're the party in control so mm-hmm. it does i feel like that's like that was a big thing about trump was that like even though it's not w- – yeah, w- it, it it's not – there's not, like, equal power to just – it's not like we just – there's this extra power lying around, and you're like, oh, th- these groups didn't have enough. Here's It's like some of it has to come from other people. And I think, like, mm. if that wasn't – that probably – that point wasn't articulated well enough to people who have real jobs and don't sit around and do podcasts and – work and have kids and live in fucking Kansas and they just felt the, f- the we feel call them the problem <laughs> the, the, the feeling of oppression coming from equality and then Trump being like nah I support I support you guys and then being like somebody finally speaks to us that's it's such a deeper like it's not like the stats that people want to like you know there's only 70,000 coal mining jobs that's not going to help it doesn't it feels right, right to fight against what feels like oppression. And that's it's how all people just are voting. It's like course. all with their feelings. But here's the thing. If you know, like, um I think Anthony was saying on our show last week that um that white people need to step down from positions of power to like make the like power sharing more equitable and the qu- but but ha- uh, but seriously how do you I, I disagree with that because I don't think there's any way to do that first of all nobody gives up power and there's no way to force somebody to do it without undermining all of our like meritocracy democratic ideals like we still want it to be a system where the cream rises to the top and the hard work and like we want equality of opportunity and equality of resources but you can't just take power away from someone who like someone needs to come in and and play the game and get it with get getting what they need to get fully agree and i, I I'll, I'll wrap up and solve america's problems with this because i can see you guys doing <laughs> your cool do. non-verbal cues <laughs> that we're running out of time uh they're we're very so professional they're a very good team here at the unhirable <laughs> podcast you would be very impressed if you were me audience uh i think most of the things that like social justice warriors want would be accomplished if we just relentlessly pursued a quality of opportunity like if you do that then all these other things will take care of themselves right. because there's no argument that like one r- one race of people isn't as motivated as another race it's it's really providing genuine opportunity which i think we've done a lot more of lately mm-hmm. but there's also like i think part of equal opportunity means doing the work and having real conversations and letting uh yeah like trying to heal some of the fucking scars of this country that are still like so anytime anything racial happens like you it flares up like we're like oh my god i can't believe people feel this way it's like of course people feel this way so i think that's part of 
uh, equal opportunity too is like being willing to have conversations, like not going against each other, but like trying to find where we're what we have in common. It's always fucking. Fucking <laughs> Mike. Whoa. Let me. Why are we not coming Amen. together more? Okay, this is a true story. I I, I love this story. So. And then we gotta then we gotta <laughs> wrap it up. No, we're gonna do a quick rapid fire. Yeah, you'll this. see. Okay, cool. It's an amazing. My uh, yeah. Never mind. I'm not gonna tell the story. Let's do the rapid fire. <laughs> no, I agree with you though. <laughs> I think like we gotta cut the fat. Like lost causes. Like everybody needs to step down from. Like enough of that. Let's like do the things that can be winnable and n- like, no more like barking up the wrong. Like trim the fat of activism. Do yeah, you know I yeah, actually yeah. think have, like, though that white goals. people do need to step aside. I I really do. I but think but that people need to have more stakeholdership. But they won't. No, no one. You might be right about that. No one voluntarily gives a power. So we're we need talking to find about another what the way. solution could be. That's a very easy solution. It just means, but it's like not a viable one because no, nobody ever voluntarily that. gives up power. Well, the people in power could set up a line of succession. Succession. There already is one. There's elections and shit. That's no, why we need equality of opportunity. About institutions. Mm. Shorter lifespan. Talking about, I'll talk about like a cultural institution. Curators can have assistant curators and can set up a line of succession after them. Uh, artistic directors can promote associate artistic directors. Managing directors can have assistant company managers, whatever. Well, they can make that a true meritocracy instead of picking the next white person or whatever. Like having just like genuine like access to resources, opportunity, and then real competition among okay, people, and then the like best I think people for the job ahead, wins. What needs to be really focused in on is creating places at the table, and I do agree to some extent that the table's as big as we make it but also the table's as big as it is right now. So looking around, seeing how many white people are at the table and figuring out, all right, knock out these ones, and now we gotta <laughs> replace them with people who aren't white. Aye. And now we can have a, because you can't, like this conversation we had to some extent was completely not productive, other than us having a conversation that was explicit about race among white people. Who knows what this conversation actually means in terms but of But why like put the burden of productivity on a conversation? Like, we're just, like, talking. Yeah. Like, not every conversation has to be productive. I think we can definitively say that this conversation was not productive. Yeah, we no, nobody's <laughs> arguing with that. We agree. Also, if somebody, <laughs> wa- the intention. If somebody walked, <laughs> if somebody walked in right now produce. and was like, you know what, this is a great podcast, but I see two white hosts. We need an Asian. Who's giving up their spot? Karen, duh. Obviously. Okay. Asian women are much hotter <laughs> than blonde. Women. I am the problem. But you get a white if you get a white Jewish woman, uh, but you're gay, so you also have like a I win every time. See, I have no You Holocaust. No. <laughs> I mean, let me just say Holocaust. Pink triangle. In conclusion, Holocaust. I know. I was killed too. By your people. You're Thank welcome. You. And Rapid by the fire. And by the traitorous <laughs> potato. <laughs> the potato monster that your people so fear. <laughs> He's Irish, so it's oh. their, their foe and their friend. <laughs> the Irish used to be considered a real. They were really. They, they were not white. Rough I know. You asked, if you asked most, most of my aunts who were in their 80s, their mother was treated like a black person. Yeah. yeah. Until black people showed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Irish oh, people in America were like, ew. <laughs> yeah. you no. We can kick you. Or kill you, which a lot of them did in Boston. Not my relatives. How ugly, my lord. I know it is. It's really ugly. Here's <laughs> the point. Rapid fired. We're okay. Gonna do this really pew, quickly. Pew, pew, get it? Um, Karen, do you have one? Okay. This is word association. That means associate fast. Ready? Okay. White. Uh, uh, mayonnaise. <laughs> no, it was not fast. Oh yeah, it's Black. not fast. Uh, coloring book. <laughs> Can somebody play this game for real? Dr. Dre. Rapper. Celine Dion. Uh, Gay. Uh, uh, isn't everyone? Um. (laughs) That was the correct response. Yeah. Marijuana. Uh, pot. Sorry, (laughs) it's this. Cocaine. Bad. Asian. Girlfriend. Hitler. German. African. American. Muslim. Terrorist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's bad this is so bad nerd uh revenge penis dick feet toes pussy uh clit tragic Macbeth. melania trump sorry i feel so bad for melania trump I know. Sorry, I know it's only one <laughs> word, but like, can we just say that like this woman is clearly Ooh. unhappy? Okay, I do, I d- you can say whatever you I want. I disagree. I don't think anything indicates that whatsoever. All right, we'll do five more. You go. I'm not ready. 
Donald Trump. Orange. Donald Trump Jr. Asshole. Eric Trump. Fuck him. Ivanka Trump. Uh, she's pretty hot. <laughs> okay. Jared Trump. Who's Jared Trump? I feel bad I said terrorist. Give me a couple more. Oh, I forgot mine. Jew. <laughs> that was Karen. It. Israel. Palestine. Ooh. Palestine. Israel. <laughs> Holy. Priest. Jesus. Nazareth. Heil. Hitler. Okay, that's it. Thank hey. you so much. Oh, <laughs> you guys. This is super fun. Thanks yeah, for this was super fun. Thanks, thanks for having me. Eric Von Jew Killer. What was your last <laughs> name again? Helwig. Oh, yes, yeah. The light to Helvig. the ovens. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's called oven light. Switch it on. Don't forget to switch it back off. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, oh, uh, did you want to apologize like to Karen? Oh.